race car. I declare bankruptcy. Bears beats Battlestar Galactica. Depression. Isn't that just a fancy word for feeling bummed out? Dwight, you ignorant slut. Not only the years we've been at war, but from the moment as a child when we realized that the world could be conquered. You're listening to Great Scott, the Office Podcast. My name is Jay Ray, and with me is my Minecraft server, BFF, Tony the Tiger 420. What's up, buddy? <laughs> I've never actually played Minecraft ever. <laughs> That's fair. I don't know. I got uh, recently, I just was like, I'm going to freaking play. And then they, uh, they have like, you can pay for them to make servers for you. Mm-hmm. So my brother's on it. And he's never played. So essentially, I put a bunch of useful shit in a chest on the server. Then he comes in later, picks it up, and then accidentally dies somewhere. So then when he joins later, he's got stuff still. Like, it, it looked like one of those games I would lose myself in, so I just stayed away from it. Yeah, well, and the big problem, too, is because I have it on Switch and I have it on my phone. And because of like their play-together thing, like it's everything but Sony. So I can play on my server on the phone, like when I'm on the bus, and then I get home, I pop the switch on and I'm playing. Yeah, it's it's a problem. I got a new game today, uh, Pandemic Escape. It's from Tiny Build. Okay. And what it is, is it's sort of a reverse battle royale. So everyone starts out in like one area of the map, yeah. and randomly one person gets turned into a zombie. And so you're, and if you die, you get turned into a zombie. So you're like trying to like not get killed by the other humans and the zombies as you try to like, and you you have to like make a train at the, like a random part of the map. Mm. It was pretty fun. I played a couple of rounds of it. Sounds pretty good. I mean, it's still definitely early access, but those guys tend to put out pretty high quality games. So. Yeah, they had they had quite a a line around them at PAX East this year. Nice. Although I forget, they oh man. They have this game called something Gravedigger. Gravedigger Keeper. That's it. Yeah. That's yeah, a yeah. lot of fun. And uh, so they had it last year, but this year everybody who was playing the demo had to lay in a coffin. So they like <laughs> laid you down in a coffin and then gave you a switch. So you're just sitting there. Just it's very weird. Uh, uh, yeah, speaking they- of things that are dying and or dead, this freaking show. <laughs> The office. We're almost there. Yeah. But big shout out to our, our boy Greg. Thanks for sending that email. Uh, so apparently Claire Scan- Scanlon. Yeah. We kind of rip for her angry Andiness. Yeah. Has done like a lot of episodes for shows I really like. Not shocking. They're Michael Schuer shows, or at least some of them are. A good place in Brooklyn. Also did Glow. Which glows pretty good. Yeah, you know, I kind of fell off this latest season of Glow because uh, it starts to drag. Like, there wasn't there wasn't enough wrestling, right? Oddly enough. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, good uh, good place is an amazing show. Mm-hmm. Well, she was she was an editor on The Office for a while. Oh, I see. So that's what it was, and then she ended up becoming. And a, Spitzer created Superstore, which I enjoy considerably. I've never seen it. I don't want to well, see it. Knowing that like Spitzer was a part of the office and sort of part of Andy's decline, like the main character in Superstore reminds me a lot of like late season, like late series Andy, but in a less, well, they make fun of him more, so it works. Okay. All right. Um, 
Yeah, well, that's the thing, too. I don't know. If we were introduced to Andy as the character he is currently, then it, I'd feel differently and less angry every time he showed up. Because <laughs> I just expect it. Like Nellie, right? I don't get mad at Nellie. Because it's always just annoying. Right, exactly. So, like, I accept it. Uh, not Andy. Not my precious, precious Andy. Uh, anyway, so yeah, thanks for to Greg for giving us that heads up that uh, these folks were not nobodies <laughs> that we accuse of sabotaging the show, but they've gone on to do some pretty great things. <laughs> uh, if you have emails, though, you could shoot us an email at brokenjarsbroadcasting at gmail.com. Is that mm-hmm. it? Also our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash broken jars. Yep. Give us money, send us comments, let us know you want us to cover certain episodes again. We'll go back. I'd love to go back. Let's talk season three, gay witch hunt. Let's go. So they kiss, but it was unscripted. Um, That's the juicy stuff. Not looking forward to talking about plop, but whatever. (laughs) You'll like plop this time around. I don't know. (laughs) Unless the Scranton Strangler gets out and has another, you know, little but that's morbid <laughs> anyways so this first episode is um turf war directed by daniel chun written by warren lieberstein and halstead sullivan uh warren of course is angela kinsey's ex-husband so let's all remember that as we watch this episode so we, we get this cold open to where gabe is talking about protein powder to Jim, like, do you think there's a chart for someone my height and weight with 0% body fat? Yeah. And uh, Dwight comes in and he just scarfs it down, cinnamon challenge style. Well, because he's like, oh, you cut it with water? Might as well be taking estrogen. Yeah. And, Which, uh, yeah. That's kind of true because uh, soy, especially in if it's soy protein, which a lot of cheaper protein powders are, uh, that does get converted into estrogen in the male body. But it has nothing to do with the water. It's just the protein powder itself. Well, how do you know it's cheap? <laughs> Gabe spends a lot of money on his Asian medical uh, things. Um, I'm not a scientist. Jacob said it, not me. That's just, <laughs> so it's just one of those things that, that like, if you're trying to get, if you're trying to bulk up, avoid the soy. Got it. Um, yeah, so they kind of get into this like macho man competition that Jim kind of eggs on. So we find ourselves back into the office park gymnasium that we all forgot about. Not really a gymnasium. It's more like a it's Michael Scott Paper Company office turned into a discotheque that turned into makeshift workout room that turned into a better workout room. It's Dwight Schrute's Gym for Muscles. That's it. Uh, so they decide. Uh, well, Jim the way- decides with thigh curl contest. Yeah, yeah, but that is the way to do it. Uh, so they're there and they're working at it, and then they are being handed props. A yes. weird, uh, what is it? A freaking uh, like a canvas bag pillow. Yeah, they <laughs> like, like photos. <laughs> and then with their legs up, they take a picture. Jim makes a very bad pun about, um, and you're getting hypnotized. <laughs> which I, I appreciated only in that like like listen i get it i think i'm funny it's why i have a podcast it's because i want you to listen to me i want you to laugh and i want you to say hey that guy's funny jim similarly thinks he's funny and as funny people we are always on we're always saying something and they're not always zingers so finally season eight second to the last episode of the season jim says something and he's like eh yeah, because that, that's just like, what it looks I like. He really like shakes his head, like, Meh. yeah, he's like, I probably shouldn't have said it out loud. <laughs> and I do like, of all the exercises to pick, this is especially if you don't work out that much, 
mm. is the most just quickly destroying you exercise. Yeah. Well, yeah. So it's a twofold prank because uh, they end up with all these props in funny positions. A photo gets taken that gets photoshopped into like a sleepover right. uh, thing. Uh, but similarly, uh, they had a very intense leg day uh, so mm. that they basically cannot walk or use their legs or anything. Uh, which is particularly funny when Robert calls a meeting immediately. Right. Like Dwight is like, Jim asked Dwight if he, if he wants help. He's like, no, I don't need your help. And he's like, and Dwight just like gives it and, and jumps on the, to, on the yeah. deck. Yeah. So, so the crux of the episode here is uh, there is a lot of activity going on in the sales mm. department. Um, and we find out um, after a pretty glorious simultaneous sale, that merits a high five, oddly enough, mm-hmm. uh, that one of the branches of Sabre, Dunder Mifflin, I don't know what kind of branch it is specifically. They, well, their customers are paper customers, so it must have been a Dunder Right. Um, closes down. Is that Syracuse? Is that right? Binghamton. Binghamton. Oh, okay. The other guy was from Syracuse. Yeah. That's right. So, uh, so boom, all those customers are just up for grabs and uh, – our hungry, hungry salespeople are out there mm-hmm. gobbling up those those people's marbles. Just right, and like Robert California comes in looking like death. Yeah, and he's like, Shh. And he talks about having a one man saddlenalia or something. Yeah, yeah. and he's like, uh, how do I put this? I drink a lot of Australian reds and Colombian whites. <laughs> Which that's Coke, right? Yes, I'm pretty sure that is cocaine. I don't know if Australian red refers to another drug or if it's actually wine. Yeah, I was assuming wine, but that's a good point. Very cryptic about it all. Um, But yeah, so clearly he's messed up. In his uh, drunken blackout state, he closed the Binghamton branch. That's right. That's right. And he he says something in Latin about, uh, you know, there's truth in wine or something. Yeah. And uh, how he should not doubt his drunken self. Yeah. The only thing I know about Binghamton is where Matt Damon gets the shit kicked out of him in Rounders. That's the only thing I know about, about Binghamton, New York. There you go. There you go. Hopefully, uh, if it's not on there already, it'll be on the trivia section of Binghamton's wiki page. So one thing that um, it's sort of a B storyline that rolls up into the A storyline is uh, Andy... It like comes to the to the office again, and you know, Robert is making everyone wear visitors tags, which he does not like. Yeah, it sets I mean, up like a a crepe station. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, obviously Robert, even in the last few episodes, we've noticed has an issue with Andy just showing up. I mean, really, it's a weird thing. It is a really showing up all the time, yeah. right? Like, so it's a move to shame Andy, really. Right. And, you know, it's one thing if you were to come in for, like, Aaron's lunch and then go home. Yeah, but to set up a crepe station at the waiting area on a couch. Right. That's a, a, little, that's a little much. Yeah. And so one thing we also find out that Robert California did was call Nellie. Yes. And so she comes in and she's like, yes, to answer your questions, yes, 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 and never. Right. And so... I mean, what do you think? Like, it was obviously something very sexual. Well, that's the thing. I wonder because Robert's mind is is fast and makes connections we don't all see. So, was it you know was it like business, personal, personal, business, business, sexual? You know, like did they do that? Maybe. 
uh, you know, it's hard to say, but yeah, I would, I would hazard a guess that the no is associated with something that is particularly sexual. Well, and, and then later in this episode, you know, we find out that Nellie, when she's talking to Pam near the end of the episode, she's like, everything he talks about is sex. Like he, she's like, she kind of goes from maybe this guy is skeevy to this guy's a perv, you know, in like two episodes. Yeah, well, even something further than perv, like he's got a clinical issue that causes him to only be able to discuss this one thing. And it's the first time anybody has pointed out, aside from, you know, Jim and Pam faces, that like this is weird, you know? Right. Because that's the thing, too. I can't say that everybody has been exposed to a Robert sex talk. Like it always seems to be on like these one-on-ones, like let me teach you something. Mm -hmm. Um, Or his interview. (laughs) as <laughs> a great place to bring that up um yeah so so the big shtick here seems to be that uh there is a particular customer that is now up for grabs right uh, prestige direct mail right and, and a guy um, comes in from yeah. thunder mifflin syracuse and gets pissy because apparently there was an unspoken rule of you don't cross state lines well, that's what he says. I don't know if there was any such rule amongst any particular group or maybe like during one year, everybody said that. And then the, all those salespeople have since gone. And this dude is like the one rogue guy who's like respecting the territory. Right. But I mean, even, this is one of those weird things where like the how how the customers for Dunder Mifflin go because we know that in season three, they pull in all those Connecticut people from Stanford, right? And all those sales. So I would assume they were multi-state. And yeah, yeah, for sure. Now they start to talk about this is like Dunder Mifflin Scranton when it used to be Dunder Mifflin Northeast. Well, that's the thing too, right? Because wouldn't Binghamton and Syracuse and all that stuff even just be part of Northeast? Right. I mean, that's kind of what I was thinking. So it, it's one of those, I mean, there is something Wallace says later in the episode. He's like, you know, it's, it's a third of the size it was six years ago. Something, uh, like, something that. like that, yeah. But you can, but they all talk about how they've been making more money. And maybe he was just talking about the paper game and not like all the other stuff. Well, I think, well, the people have been making, right, like the sales reps, right? Like they're constantly, like they also sell uh, uh, printers. Right, that's what I'm saying. Like maybe like the paper side is what like has shrunk. Yeah, well, I guess what I was thinking was that, like, maybe those sales are good, but it's, like, from a sales rep perspective, like, they can think short-term like that, like, make a big sale, get the money. But maybe the institution as a whole, because of their policies and such, they're, like, the company's not making money. Right. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, because that's the thing, too. Andy's specifically talking about Dunder Mifflin. He's not really mentioning the Sabre part of things. Right, 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 right. Um, so yeah, prestige direct mail is up for grabs. So the Syracuse guy comes in and uh, he wants to talk to Jim, Dwight, and Lloyd. Lloyd, gross. Everyone, everyone's looking around for Lloyd, and Dwight just points at Toby's like, "That's Lloyd." Yeah, uh, and essentially, we find out that Lloyd Gross is a fake salesperson that Dwight and Jim created so that they can sell well, more. Everybody created. So everybody created. Right. Because they so. have the commission cap. So whenever they start hitting their commission cap, they start pushing. New sales. sales gross. Yeah. 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 And what, do they just evenly sp- spread that or do they just take, keep track of what their sales were and then they just like, that's what they get. Cause like, I, well, not for nothing. It's a fake salesperson. So like, is it an employee? 
did they create one? Did they need to do a social and all that kind of stuff? Or, you would you know? think so. Yeah. I mean, yeah. like how far did they how go? How are they going to, how else is he going to get paid from a company if it doesn't have all that, like, well, that's a thing. more information. Yeah. Well, and he'll get paid on a time period. Right. So yeah, I was just curious how they all split that money. But I, I love, I love Toby as Lloyd because he's all like trying to act tough, like calling whatever the guy's name from Syracuse. I don't remember his name. It's like, what up, Kimasabi? Yeah. Oh, yes. And Lloyd says Kimasabi. Yeah. Well, that's great because Toby's tough and I think he is kind of giving the guy the business until the guy like straight up suggests they get into a physical duel. And that's when Toby has a phone call. Right. <laughs> and we have this wonderful, uh, thing where uh they're in the conference room they say something it's jim the guy from syracuse and dwight and jim says why don't we just go ask robert he's here and the guy from syracuse it's like oh all right let's uh, why 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 were we uh yeah why are we, we looking, we're for, looking for things to hit each other with yeah <laughs> and jim's like i don't think anyone would doing that and dwight starts like lamp table chair right leg of table jim's leg yeah which does that mean he would have used jim's leg as the handle and hit the guy with jim or detach the leg see i was thinking like using like yeah using the yeah. leg as the handle yeah and just using jim's whole body um so they ask robert i mean honestly this is like the first time robert's hearing about the closing of bingington bingham bingington binghamton awesome if it's not in jersey just jokes um <laughs> So then he has this really good talking head where he's trying to, he does his, you know, drunk wine truth thing explaining mm-hmm. um, all to kind of, because all the sales reps are now looking at him through the window. So he's just trying to stretch out time. and like. Well, right. And the guy from Syracuse is like, you know, why didn't you do this? Why'd you do this without a transition plan? And he's like, trust me, Greg. I think I'm just going to call him Greg. Sure. Greg, um, you know, this, this has been planned for years and even though it seems like it was unplanned, I'm sure that I'm sure that it was. His name is Harry. Harry. Uh, Greg, yeah. Harry, whatever. Harry. And so they just kind of, it's like, well, we want you to tell us who gets it. Right. Right. So he, he's thinking about it. He secludes himself into the conference room. And uh, Harry's like, let me, I got to get some air, you know. And uh, he oh, well, that talking head is great. He's like, starts talking about geishas and all this stuff. Yeah, he's like, and, I... and they're like, are they still out there? And like, the camera pans over and see the three of them just staring daggers at him. Yeah, he's like, oh, don't worry, I can talk about geishas longer than they they're. It's like before their bedtimes or something. Yeah, yeah. apparently he trained as a geisha. Yeah, uh, so Harry bolts under the ruse of he just needs air. Right. Jim goes into Nelly's office and spots him hop into the car. He tells Dwight they two hop into their car, and now the chase is on right. the race to Bingington. Um, so the other thing that is happening with Nelly now is that Robert has asked Pam to get the deets. What right. was on that message? What did he say to Nelly? Apparently, he also hired Angela as backup because while Pam is going, and I think she would have done it in this moment, mm-hmm. the conversation between her and Nellie seems positive and open. Um, freaking Angela shows up with like this super fake, like, I love girl talk, yada, yada, nonsense crap. And totally she was sitting there to like, if Pam screwed up. Yeah, she cackles because if is not a possibility for her, it was a guarantee. Right. Uh, so, but the problem, yeah. Uh, look it up. Binghamton is only 60 miles north of Scranton. 
So it's actually um, really close. So yeah, yeah. well, they make that argument too that Binghamton's closer to screen than right. Series, yeah. Um, but all this chatter in the break room causes Gabe to overhear, who now wants to participate in the girl talk, which slows down the progress. Um, which he's apparently is great yeah. at girl talk. Well, and then he ends up talking about this uh, Korean soap opera or something. And for <laughs> whatever reason, the specific question Nelly asks was, "Would it help if I had an Asian fetish?" And then he, <laughs> Gabe, grossly laughs and says, uh, "Yeah, it would help <laughs> if you had an Asian fetish." So actually, Syracuse is only 74 miles away. So it's pretty much in the middle but uh, between the two branches. I mean, really what they should do is go to their home bases and then race from there. Everybody leaving from Scranton seems unfair. <laughs> um, so while we're seeing this, uh, Andy is like, well, why? Because uh, Ra- uh, Rob California was like, no one gets prestige. It's, yes. You know, he's just like, no, anybody could walk in there. Right. So well, he heads up to Binghamton. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like nobody gets it, but like nobody gets it right now. Right. As part of his like thinking process or whatever. Um, yeah. So Andy books it up there and uh, which is a very um, aggressive of Andy, right? In a way that, you know, in this season alone, he's had erectile dysfunction issues associated with his view of his own masculinity, right? right. So it's kind of a 180 from that, which was only a couple episodes ago. Um, honestly, not for nothing, it's fine. I like this version of Andy. In this well, movie. I mean, we saw it coming to some extent when he got himself fired. Yeah, I mean, he's been going in and out because also, too, he kind of has a man-up moment when he runs down to Florida to get Aaron. Right. It's just a very like polarizing season for him where like he's trying to figure out what he wants and is it worth him fighting to get what he wants, right? Mm. Um, it's not super well done, I don't think, because I feel like you're watching a different character some episodes than the previous episodes. Like there's no growth to your point. Mm-hmm. He mans up as he quits. Um, but then he ends up in this weird spiral adopting a bunch of dogs with no anuses or whatever. So yeah, yeah. it's not an arc, it's like a yeah. graph. It's just yeah, very yeah. bipolar uh, season for him. Yeah, um, but he makes his way up there. He meets with the CEO, who apparently has no meetings. Very excited to see anybody, um, and somehow convinces the guy uh, to make Andy his supplier. His company is Big Red Paper Company. Right, very Michael Scott type yeah. thing. Honestly, I wonder if there'd be a copyright claim from Wrigley's gum and Big Red chewing gum. Might be too close. Maybe, um, but yeah, he, there is a funny scene where he's like, "Here's here's my personal number." And CEO's like, "Everyone gives me their personal number." He's like, "Well, here's a key to my house." Yeah, he's like, "You want me to go to your house to pick up paper or talk if you need someone to hang out with?" My wife by password is Eat Pray Love. Super yeah. easy to remember. Yeah. Um, so right. yeah, then Pam doing her thing steals uh, Nelly's, Nelly's phone. phone. Yeah. Right, and so they start listening to the her voicemails. Yeah, which even at this point, visual voicemail was still a thing or was a thing. So I like, I don't know why they just didn't like look for the one from Robert. Well, you have to pay for it, visual voicemail, and a lot of things, and not for nothing. But who even knows if Nelly has an American phone? What if she's still using some weird, you know, like travel phone? Well, I mean, how long has she been working for Saber? I mean, it felt like she had been there for a couple, at least a couple of years. I mean, I feel like maybe she didn't work for Saber at all until after she interviewed for Michael's job. Oh, she definitely was there for a while. Because we don't see her again until Tallahassee. So whatever the gap is between 
the Tallahassee right. story arc in that interview. I feel like she didn't work at Saber yet. Well, but but Joe said something about how you know, oh, Aaron or Nellie didn't mention it. That's a class move by her. So there's obviously a pre-existing relationship there. They they are friends. That's right. that's why she was up for the interview because I think Joe is doing a solid for Nellie. Maybe okay. Still, I mean, she's probably been in the states at least a year. Listen, I don't know. I've never been a foreigner in another country there for a year. I don't know what it's like. I don't know what cell phone providers are. <laughs> just, it's just, I'm just telling you what I, I'm just trying to explain yeah, yeah. so storyline. <laughs> so one of them is uh, like from an adoption agency saying, you know, we're like from, it wasn't Ukrainian, but it was Albanian, something, something like that, yeah, Eastern Bloc. Yeah. Uh, and then like MasterCard, telling her that she's over a limit and she has to like give them 480 something dollars. Right. Yeah. It's, it's all bad stuff. Uh, her brother calls and it's like, Oh, it can't be that bad out there whatever. So it's all negative and Pam ends up closing the phone before they get to Robert's message. But she's like deleted them all or something. Yeah. And then she deletes them all. Uh, Robert is very disappointed in her, but uh, you bungled this. Yeah. Uh, so she goes back to Nellie, gives her a phone, and they have like this nice moment. Oddly enough, Nellie is, uh, she tells basically what is on the voice messages, but from her weird twisted point of view. She's got MasterCard right where she wants them. Mm-hmm. She may become a mother, um, you know. Uh, so that being said, she's buying some, what I imagine are crazy Arabian golden sandals. Um, probably not the cheapest things, but because Pam was nice to her or whatever, she offers to send her a pair as well. All oh, no, MasterCard, I, think I, I would saw, I think I saw on the screen they were like 50 bucks. Uh, well, still, I mean, if she's paying for everything via a credit card that she isn't paying off. Right. Uh, let alone buying someone else the same sandals also now. Right. It, yeah. It, it is really humanizing for her. Yeah. But then you, then you see the delusion side of it too. You know, in her talking head about how, like... Um, yeah, but Delusion's never been a, a negative for us sympathizing with an Office character. I mean, that's Dwight's whole thing. And Michael. Right. I mean, Michael... I mean, that's all Michael's storyline was, right? Who's he going to date and why is he in so much debt? <laughs> so this is just the less mm-hmm. appealing version of that with a character we like significantly less. So we, we have the... Um, so the, the, the three guys get to the office... And they, they had this sort of like wacky, crazy race to try and get to the CEO. And when they get there, he's like, look, I've already given the, the stuff away. Yep. And so they're, the three of them kind of talk afterwards about what they're going to do and how Harry thinks that uh, Robert California is going to drive the, the company into the ground and all that. Right. Well, it's interesting because I, I feel it's obvious that Robert spends the most time at Scranton when he's up north. Um, he clearly lived around there, which is why he right. interviewed for the position at all. Um, so I feel like, you know, I'm curious what the other offices even see of him. Right. You know? They just have these really weird snippets of him. Not that he's probably better in small doses like that, but um, just a weird guy. So, you know, they all have their moment. Uh, he says this thing. They have a bit of a joke about like, what would they do if they weren't selling paper? Harry just wants to sell a big thing and get out. Not the brightest bulb in the shed. Like, is it his airplane that he's selling? No, you, you know, airplane companies have salespeople. That's what I mean. But like the, but that's what, if you're a salesperson for an airplane, how much are you making off of an airplane? Well, not to retire. He's, that's what he's talking. Well, about. No, but he's saying, you know, one big sale a year. No, that's not what he said. He said one sale and I'm out. 
it sounds like he's got a golden airplane <laughs> that he found and is selling it. And most, most private jets, I would think you would probably minimum commission of a hundred thousand. Yeah. But that's my, that's not, that's not out money. See, I always thought he was like, I just want to sell one big thing a year. I thought that no, was his thing. No, no, no. This was like, what, do they, what is the last thing they ever want to sell? I think he wanted to sell one thing. Jim jokes he wants to sell beats. We never get to hear what Dwight says because he's kind of sucked into the beat talk. Yeah. Um, but we, then, yeah, yeah, we get the great, maybe the most famous Robert California quote. So Andy calls and only says his name is Salvation. Yeah, yeah. And so he tries to start blackmailing him and Robert goes off on him like, I will not be blackmailed by some piss ant that all this stuff, you debutante. Yeah. You don't even know my real name. Right. Fucking lizard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's pretty good. But uh, Andy's unfazed considering where he's been. Uh, ends up being parked outside of David Wallace's house and kind of proposes the possibility for David to purchase Dunder Mifflin. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's where that episode ends. Um, yeah. What do you think, man? Uh, it's okay. It sets up, it obviously sets up the last episode um, with a whole David Wallace angle. Um, but I just gave it a 2.5 out of 5 trainings as a geisha. It's a very medium episode. I'll give it the straight 3 out of 5 nationals. Nice. Um, yeah, it sets up some decent stuff. It's a good version of Andy. It's a place where his character needs to be. Um, which will immediately be shit on by the next episode. Immediately. Yeah, immediately. Robert's bit is great. Yeah, it's just, it's a, it's a nice kind of return to form almost. Mm-hmm. There's some focusing on the sales, some focusing on the business, you know. Right. Not, not a lot of personal stuff, which is, I'm over it. I don't care who these people are. <laughs> um, yeah. All right, next one. Uh, yes, season eight, episode twenty-four, Free Family Portrait Studio, written and directed by B.J. Novak. So you can just take your like hatred out on on Ryan. Yeah, let me just say this whole episode is actually pretty good, except for Andy. Andy, for me, is the worst part. Oh, it's terrible. Yeah, yeah. I just it doesn't make sense why he's why he's behaving this way. It's a very Michael Scott move. It right. seems like really weird for Andy. Um, cause he, he's a singer, but he's not like theatrical in that way, even if he's done Sweeney Todd, but he doesn't live theatrically, you know, that's a Michael. Right. Um, yeah, it's just weird. It's gross. Enough people give him warnings throughout the episode to stop doing what he's doing. And he's just like missing all of those cues. It's just too much. There's too much suspension of belief to comprehend that this dude would do this. It's stupid. Jacob, I freaking hate it. Um, but everything else is pretty good. So, it's a, Although the cold open is not great. Well, yeah. So the cold opens where I guess it was a YouTube thing back in the day where people record these It Gets Better videos, like inspirational videos. Yeah. They took a lot of inspiration from YouTube viral move things like in the later seasons of The Office. Right. So Oscar is doing one of those in The Office for some reason. I don't know right. why you would do this in The Office. And everybody is really interested about it. Yeah. And so like Dwight's talking about how he's like searching for younger gays to like have sex with. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Ke- Kelly comes in, starts like doing her makeup. It's like, webcams make me look how I look in my fantasies. That's it. I'm burning all my mirrors. Yeah. But then what does that mean? Is she getting a webcam? 
Yeah. Like the driver of California just takes over. It's like, don't listen to this. Sexuality is a spectrum. And yeah, he does his whole thing. Um, but Kevin tries to poke his head in. Robert moves. They headbutt each other. Kevin starts crying like a big old dumb baby. Oscar has a humorous last line saying it gets better, maybe. Or not much or not much better, but it does. Yeah. And then Phyllis is like just waving in the background. Right. I mean, A, I mean, it's not live, right? Even at this time, which is what, let's see. Twenty twelve? Yes, twenty twelve. Yeah. It's like there wasn't there's was, I don't know. It was just it's just weird. This is a video that can be edited. Everybody calm down. It doesn't have to be done in one take. Right. Uh so Dwight puts up a family portrait studio uh, for his very nefarious things, but he's, he's also playing it straight. And we do have some like really cool, like quick flashes. We see that Creed's parents are still alive. So. Yep. I mean, hopefully, right. It's not just two random old people that Creed picked up off the street. Um, we get to see Meredith's kid again, who is uh, he's that guy's son. Yeah. I mean, he's all face tatted up. Uh, I'm gonna find it while you look. Recurring, yada yada. Come on, don't. Do Jim it. thinks it's a prank because apparently the week before, all all he did was find out his dry cleaner have a custom suit made with tearaway Velcro. He's like, hey, and you can imagine the rest. Yeah, so <laughs> we see it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he's like, at this point, he's just pretty certain that uh, they're gonna. <laughs> They're, you know, Dwight's trying to get back at him. Um, it's Spencer Daniels who plays right. Jake, uh, who is Greg Daniels' son, who is right. the original showrunner. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's got a big old face tattoo. He's like, why don't you smile for this picture? And Meredith's like, I don't want to. Which is funny because he should be the troublemaker team right. or whatever. Right. Also, we find out he's a, well, later on, just for a ref, since we won't see him again, he, we find out he's a stripper. Right. Yeah. Or, well, we'll become a stripper. He if he does a stripper. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I thought he was a stripper by the last season. Well, we don't know. So somewhere between now and the series finale, we find out he's a stripper. Right. But that's what I'm saying. Right. We don't know currently. Right. But since we won't see him for a while, future stripper. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so one of the sort of the, the B storyline is. Uh, a couple of the warehouse guys lost all their money from the lotto. Yeah. By investing in a energy drink for gay Asians. Yeah. Were they investing or did they invent it? I don't know, but they, they felt like they invented it. Daryl said, it says something about having like 50,000 of them. Oh uh, yeah. I mean, essentially it seems like whatever the money was, it was to actually have the thing produced. Right. So my, my question was, was this for like, northeast pennsylvania gay asian community or were, were they trying to ship this to like japan because it seems like way too niche of a market well so later on robert is seen drinking one of these and he says he likes original flavor which indicates right. to me this is a line of drinks that is available in stores right and he's had the original flavor so the first so the the, the new flavor is coconut penis right we're in they added coconut so I'm guessing it's just... <laughs> yes, that's the joke. Correct. <laughs> Robert enjoys original penis. Daryl tries it. They all warn him not to. And uh, he's, that coconut is real subtle. 
so let's get into it. All right. Why in the hell did Andy think that this dusty worker thing was a good idea? Yeah, he basically dresses up as Dick Van Dyke in Mary Poppins. He's this hobo-looking chimney sweep. He's got stubble and shiz. Um, he right. He's like begging Nelly for any position to. I mean, because his end game here, right, is to make everybody think he's so pathetic, so that he can phoenix like rise from the ashes as regional manager of Dunder Mifflin, as if no one has ever been that. I mean, a lot of the sales reps have been <laughs> regional manager at this point, even for a day. Right. Uh, but fine. And he wants to do it this way. Why does he do it? I don't know. It doesn't make sense. And it's stupid. He goes too far. Yeah. That, you know, like uh, there's, I mean, can we just run through the things he does? We'll cover them again as we go chronologically, but it's just. Yeah. So he starts mopping the floor. Yep. <laughs> there is a great creed. He's like, oh, it's way too long as this floor had a good mopping. Yeah. yeah. Which, you know, the the floor is carpet, so not the best thing. Uh, He, like, puts... like, splashes bourbon. Yeah. yeah. As if it's cologne. And he, like, acts like he's drunk with soup for Nelly. Um, Trying to think what else there was. So, and then what ends up happening is they have this weird... Uh, what's that called? Intervention for him. Well, before that, Aaron is like, get pulls him aside. He's like, these, there might be things people can't unsee here. Well, and that's what's weird too, right? So Aaron tries to warn Andy that he may be going a little too far in the poor hobo thing. Right. And he needs to like rein it in so he can maintain respect when he becomes the boss. Um, but then after that great advice that she shares, they have this intervention meeting where her first suggestion is that Andy beats her. <laughs> which is... <laughs> Did you hit her? Yeah, which is like not funny necessarily. No, no. Yeah, it's like, no, he's just been taking out of you, verbally abusing me. Yeah, and then again, everybody freaks out. Um, yeah, so it's just, he just really goes down. I mean, Aaron doesn't help at the end there, but he was not doing great. He has weird accents. He limps for some reason sometimes, and other times he doesn't. Right, and he, like, he can't keep everything straight. If he's, Is he drunk? Is he not drunk? Right, right. It's too much. Um, so, so that's that. So that's what Andy does. So why does he do it? I don't know. Is it good that he does it? Probably not. Do I like it? No. Is it stupid? Yes. Does it ruin the show? I don't know. Yes. Like this would have been more of like, just, this has happened earlier in the show. I feel like he would have brought in like a band to play like suck it to Nelly. Yeah. Right. Well, that's true. Right. Cause he does like, well, one aside from it being musical, he also did the, uh, 12 Days of Christmas for Aaron. Right, the marching he, band. He knows where to get some crazy shit like that. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't uh, know. So Pam brings the kids in, and Jim's not thrilled about it. He's like, well, I thought we said we, were get, we weren't going to do this. Like, no, we decided we were. We decided you were going to stop acting like a crazy man. Yeah. Um, and there's not, you know, it, it's funny because they try to be like, okay, would Dwight harm a child? And they're both like, you know, I really can't say. Well, Pam is like, nah, he wouldn't do it. And Jim's like, can we be 100% sure? And he's like fully freaking out when they go to get the pictures down. He's like holding the kids, like all protective and like looking around going, you know, looking for traps. And they take the pictures like, that's it. That's it. Well, what's great about it too is that like the way they're trying to rein Jim in is uh, like how you would a child. Right, with the duck. Yeah, like, look at me, look at me, and he like kind of looks. So yeah, he's just got this deer in the headlights kind of picture. Uh, but yeah, nothing seems to happen from it. Obviously, 
Um, so stress for no reason. But um, the senator brings in baby Philip. And all of a sudden, it seems very clear what Dwight is set out to do. Right. He's going to bang the senator. And Angela is also freaking out because she correctly assumes that Dwight is trying to get a piece of Philip's DNA. Right. Um, so the photo session is humorous, um, trying to brush Philip's hair, right? Got excess skin particles on his cheek, clip his fingernails. Yeah. All these like, you know, he's got little Ziploc bags for (laughs) evidence and such. And, uh, Angela's not having it. Shoes him away. They take their picture. Philip has to take a dump. Right. Seems like all may be lost, Jacob. (laughs) Um, so after that, um, yeah, Andy has his intervention. Um, and he has to run out of that room, though, because he gets a phone call. So he kind of drops the act. Right. And, and uh, David Wallace is trying to, like, push it to next week. Yeah, he gets he's stuck in traffic. And we do we ever know where he lives? We've talked about it. We're not sure. It could be Connecticut. Yeah, I want to say it's near the near New York City because that's where he worked. Yeah, yeah. Well, because a lot of rich people live in Connecticut. Right. Or in certain places in Jersey. Anyway, so Andy... Uh, yeah, and Andy's big thing is he just wants one delicious moment. Yeah, he keeps talking about his moment. Like, his, like yeah, exactly. His the spike the football moment, you know. So uh, it seems like David Walls is going to cancel, so Andy kind of switches to some shitty plan B where he just... <laughs> says everything poorly right and out of order so bad that even Aaron thinks that Andy is seeing a make believe David Wallace. It's such a great scene. He's like, do you say Toby's like, do you see David Wallace in this room? Right. <laughs> right. Now? Right. Yeah. Um, so that's fine. Robert drinks the drink, wishes it was original flavor. And then um, David Wallace finally shows up. Mm-hmm. Well, well let's switch real quick. Dwight runs out of the office with baby poop. Okay. Right. David Wallace shows up. <laughs> and uh, we find out it's all true. Um, mm-hmm. Everybody's excited to see David. I mean, honestly, I think at the end of the day, people liked David Wallace as a CFO. Well, yeah, he, he always seemed like a pretty fair, reasonable guy. Yeah. I mean, he was part of the man. And the man is kind of what ran under Mifflin into the ground. But I think like on a one-on-one, people like David. Right, but if you think about, I mean, yeah, he was the CFO when they got right, right into the ground, but they were having issues before he showed up. And so, right, right. Uh, yeah, they were talking about downsizing before he was hired. Right. I mean, right. that was already in season one, and it's season two, late season two, when Wallace, they meet Wallace for the first time. Yeah, I think that's right. It's like Valentine's Day or something. Yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, man, I just lost my. So, yeah, Dwight does his thing. Um, zooms out angela's in hot pursuit you know i I gotta say the first time i watched this i thought there might have been a car accident (laughs) like i wasn't sure the season had felt like just really weird to me this whole time i was like they're gonna kill one of these characters in a car crash (laughs) and there's this great moment where like there's a, a car swap so like Dwight hides his car and somehow has a matching version of his car that Mose is driving and uh, Angela follows and finally corners. Right. It's like, where is he going? Where is he going? He like smacks Mose right in the face. Yeah. And he starts running away. Yeah. He starts running away just like Tina Belcher. Yeah. Not moving the arms. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It's a, it's a very, 
unexpected moment for this show. You know, it's like aside from parkour, it's probably one of the most action-packed sequences in the show. Uh, uh, and, and when da- oh, sorry, we're jumping all over, all over the place. But when David Wallace was talking about everything, Andy is still trying to yeah, he's trying to do his bit. Yeah, from MOP to MVP, from something to something i don't know what all well because that's what i was saying because people are really interested in what david has to say one they like him two uh he they had an inkling of what was going on because andy yeah. said something so he's only confirming their suspicions so there's like a lot of questions from a professional career point of view right like you know stanley is like well to be interruptions and in pay i mean right reasonable so question andy's thing is like just annoying at right. this point um and he kind of gets shit on, you know, no one's really interested. Then, then, oh man, the lizard king shows up. Um, dude comes out. He says, hey, my name is Bob Kazamakis. Yeah. Hey, well, well really first funny. he said, well, first uh, Wallace lined out that we, that he was going to, um, that Gabe was liquidating everything and everyone from Sabre would be calling. Not Gabe. Not Gabe. Joe. Yes. Yes. Uh, right. Liquidating Saber. Wallace is going to start, is going to own Dunder Mifflin again. Right. Uh, he's going to be CEO. And uh, Robert California's like, ouch, I'm the current CEO. Yeah. <laughs> Bob Casamakis. Everyone's yeah. like, what the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. Like instantly turns it into some sick, twisted game. Gets David Wallace into the uh, conference room. I assume they bang. I don't know. But uh, they're in a closed door meeting. Uh, yeah, there was a furry thing that walked behind you. I didn't know what yeah. it was. I just assumed. I that. didn't realize that my cat was asleep. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's that. Mm. Let's um, switch. Nope. We'll just keep you doing that. You're right, because it ends with Dwight and Angel. That's fine. Right, so there's this uh, scene where, well, at the end of that, Robert and Wallace go into the um, conference room to talk. Yep. They come out. They seem to have come to some type of agreement. Right, which I'm so the premise is that he's going to be mentoring young gymnast. women, especially gymnasts, for what reason? From Africa, Asia, and generally Europe. Um, for what, yeah, that's the thing. It sounds so crappy when they say it at the bullpen. Like, how did Robert convince David to donate a million dollars to this cause? What was said behind the door that made it sound appealing? Because it is so obviously. Robert California going on a creepy underage sex romp throughout. But he wanted to take him all the way through college, so it wasn't all underage. No, I I think it was. I think that's wordplay. I think it's like he wants to start banging them soon, and will bang them until they're in college. Yeah, <laughs> this I, is getting an explicit tag, everybody. I, I part of me wonders, like, was it just a million dollars to make sure this person doesn't come back? <laughs> no, I think I think David Walls got played. You know. Uh, and somehow, yeah, he, and everyone like everyone's just like listening to Rob California give this talk, yeah, this creepy, and they're just talk. like, The hell is this? Yep, and uh, he kisses Andy on the lips firmly as a goodbye or whatever, and that's that's it, that's the last we see. RC, um, jump to I guess a DNA lab or something where Dwight is in the waiting room. Right. Angela has appeared slightly out of breath, hand slightly swollen from being the shit out of most, probably. Uh, probably. Where's the diaper being tested? When will you find out? 72 hours. Uh, Dwight's just going to sit there the whole 72 hours. Angela sits, and they have a nice touching embrace, a little hand-holding. And then they jump each other. 
Yeah. So I was, uh, it was brought to my attention that some people may feel that Dwight was acting abhorrently, you know, like really doing something that was betraying the trust and respect of an individual. Um, I posited that Angela has a much worse moral compass than Dwight because Dwight is annoying and he's probably a little too black and white, but he is always on the side of what he considers good, you know, from moments like in Tallahassee, you know, right. Um, having, you know, betrayed Michael and feeling sorry about that for like four seasons, mm-hmm. um, you know, but Angela, despite being super religious or whatever, uh, is not doing good things here. Like she knows, she knows that this baby is probably not the senators because right. they probably only banged once. Um, clearly the senator's up to some other things, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, so Angela is the one living the lie. So maybe Dwight is pushing this boundary or whatever, but Angela similarly is not the angel in this situation. Right. So, uh, you know, so it's, it's an interesting thing. And I guess it's kind of a sign that Angela agrees with Dwight by this making out that they do at, in the hospital, <laughs> in the waiting room. So, yeah. Oh, and then the last thing we see, very, very last thing. Uh, Senator's leaving the office after having taken photos. Sees Oscar, says, hey, you didn't call. And Oscar's still playing it coy. He's like, oh, you know, that thing is mm-hmm. all good. But then the senator's very clear. He's like, you know what this is about. And he points at his wee-wee. Like covers his baby. Like <laughs> covers yeah, his, covers his baby's face, yeah. <laughs> Calm. Um, yeah. yeah. Which is a little creepy, but then Oscar does his whole, you know, because he's very much enjoying this drama. Right. Eventually goes on to actually enjoy hanging, spending time with the senator. Um, it's a sad storyline, but it is a funny storyline. Angela and Oscar teaming up to see if <laughs> the senator is cheating even further. Right. So that's, that's one thing to look forward to next season. That's about it. So uh, what, what do you give this episode? Oh, I don't know. I give it like a 2.5 out of five Kazamakas probably. See, we're, we're flipping. So I gave this a three out of five mop to tops. Yeah. Yeah. The Andy thing is just too overbearing. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough. So if you're going to rate this season as a whole, what would you give it? Oh, I mean, it's interesting because I don't know about you, but I never, like, I rate everything based on how I feel in the moment, you know? So I've definitely given some episodes a four. It's because it was a four when I watched it. So that being said, when I rate this season, don't go back and make an ordered list because I don't know. (laughs) If I give a season a 2.5 and I give the season a 2.5, it doesn't mean I feel that they are the same. It just Mm -hmm. means relatively. Uh, but that being said, I give the season like a two. Uh, it's no no funny puns, just a two. Maybe some ellipses to really drive the point home about how disappointed I was. Um, yeah, but it's just weird. Characters are uneven. Um, there's just a lot of like the officeness that is gone. I feel mm-hmm. like you know we're in weird locations. The office doesn't quite feel like home, or we're not talking about the office enough. Right. Like, so much personal stuff. It's like. Yeah, there's just a little something special that's missing from it. I imagine it's why they bring in uh, Dwight Jr. and New Jim. But, yeah, uh, so they can get – yeah, it is one thing in this season. Like, there's less work-driven story points. Yeah. I mean, it's why the Bingham thing is interesting. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, yeah, that's why we're here. Right. We're here to sell paper. Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I give this a two out of five garden parties. Ooh. Ooh. even though it's one of the better episodes in the season <laughs> yeah yeah 
Yeah. Right, well, we are done with season eight, man. We're 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 down. We're really down the home stretch here. We actually did two consecutive shows. I know. I know. We are professionals. We've only been doing this for a long time. Depending on depending on how we want to split things up, there's either ten or twelve more podcasts left. Yeah, which is like what six months, something like that. I don't know math. Three months. Uh, three six months. Very different. It'd be tw- it'd be twenty four, twenty or twenty four weeks. So yeah, yeah. yeah, a little under half a year. Yeah, yeah, six months. So yeah, I mean, listen. There's good moments moving forward. We get the closure. You know, they knew it was ending. So there are moments like that that are like nice to finally like get. Like they just wrap stuff up, you know? Right. Uh, I agree. I don't know. Some characters come back. I think yeah. the last episode is good. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, it's not. It's The it's last good. couple episodes. Yeah. Once they get through, it's really wrapping it up. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah. The Jim and Pam stuff is terrible. That's going to be my Andy stuff. Is that that's the stuff I'm going to be pooping? Well, on. they've been setting it up, so at least it makes sense. Right, right. The thing that we leave off with on turf war is like Jim kind of really thinking: Does he want to stay at Dunder Mifflin after it's indicated that right. it won't be around in five months? Right. So that's setting up athlete. Mm-hmm. Um, right, and there was a whole thing with what's her name in Florida, where she just straight out says their marriage is terrible. Yeah, yeah. Right, Kathy. Although. Kathy. Yeah, you had posited that at the time you thought Kathy was seeing stuff that wasn't on air, like in the universe of The Office. Like presumably that she was seeing stuff that we as the audience don't see. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if I agree with that, but right, they end up having some pretty serious marital problems in the next season, which right. is a bummer. Um, the DNA results for baby Philip are revealed. Correct. Um, twice, technically, right? Because mm-hmm. <laughs> it's wrong first. Right, and it is wrong first. And uh, there's a marriage that we have to look forward to. Someone's going to get married. Someone's going to try out for American Idol or something. <laughs> Next acapella sensation. Yeah. So, you know, there's there's stuff going on. Mm-hmm. Anyways, we, yeah. We get some good, you know, celebrity cameos too. So Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's no Jim Carrey, star of Sonic the Hedgehog, but <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> Oh, man. Like, that's going to be the worst movie I see twice. Yeah, well, now there's all this drama about them trying to, like, change Sonic's model. Yeah. But now the problem is going to be, it's still going to be a bad movie. And they just overworked all those people. So, (laughs) we'll see how that goes. All right, well, until next time, ladies and gents. It's been a pleasure. Bye.